we start on time and we end on time, and uh, it may, that makes everybody makes everybody happy. So we're going to go ahead and kick off. We are in uh, this six-week series, which is actually part two of what we started last spring, and uh, it's called uh, it's called Passages of Manhood. And uh, it, they're, they're independent studies. Each, each week is an independent Bible lesson, but it's, it's all Scripture passages that every man ought to be familiar with. And so we did six of them last spring. We planned on doing six of them in the fall, and then we had this little thing called Harvey that uh, kind of derailed some things. So we're now picking up. We're going to do six weeks, then we're going to take a few weeks off, and then we'll have something else at the end of this year. So six weeks, and I challenge you to be a part of all of those. At the end of last year, those of you who were here uh, may or may not remember that uh, Patrick Thurman was one of our teachers, and he taught a lesson called Building a Marriage to Last a Lifetime. It's a great, it was a great Bible study, and it was basically based upon Ephesians chapter 5. Now, if you're familiar with any kind of, uh, any kind of uh, uh, passages on uh, marriage, Brian, go ahead and shut that door back there. It's, it's way too loud. Uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with any kind of marriage passages, Ephesians 5 is kind of the classic passage. If you recall what Ephesians 5 says, you don't remember what Ephesians 5 uh, says, and I wrote the scripture there so you can look at it. We're, we're, I just want to hit it tonight for a second. But Ephesians 5 is that passage of scripture that talks about how uh, a husband and a wife are to relate to one another, and specifically uh, how it compares to the Christ and the church. And so you have this image of, of the husband and how he relates to his wife is a picture of Christ and the church, or maybe if you look at it, it's Christ and the church and how that relates to a husband and a wife. And so everybody always asks, well, is this passage about Christ and the church or is it about husband and wife? And the answer is yes, it's actually about both. It's actually about both. And so you have that first passage, that, that first part of that passage that talks about that we, that as guys, we always love. Wives, submit to your husbands. Oh boy, we love that one. And then you get to the passage for the guys that says, husbands, love your wives. And it talks about how we love our wives is the same way that Christ loved us as the church. And he loved us sacrificially, and he gave himself for us. And the model that we as men understand when it comes to lo loving our wives is that sacrificial love where we, where we lay down our rights and our desires, and our uh, and 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 all of our uh, th the things that are best for us, for our wife's best interest. And leadership for leadership in this kind of this kind of environment is is really servanthood. It's servant leadership. We don't go into the home and say, "Well, honey, the scripture says I'm the man of the house, and and this is how it is." By the way, if you hear a man have to constantly remind his family that he's the leader of the house, he ain't the leader of the house. Same way, same way. By the way, in corporate world or in teamwork, if you if someone is constantly saying, "Well, I'm the leader, you got to follow me. I'm the leader, you got to follow me," guess what? They're not the leader, because true leadership. You don't have to impose that on people. You just start doing it, and people will follow you. And as husbands, we, according to the passage of Scripture that we find in Ephesians chapter 5, we earn the right to lead in our homes, our wives and our families. We earn that, and we earn that by serving our family. 
And a part of that, a part of that is that action of serving is nourishing and cherishing our wives. We'll talk a lot about that tonight. And we got to remember that leadership in marriage is inspirational, not dictatorial. We're not dictators in our homes. We're leaders, and we inspire leadership. So uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of a, the, a, a summary of what we've already talked about. Uh, a few months ago. Tonight, I want to uh, look at uh, just one verse and one passage of Scripture, 1 Peter 3.7. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you bring your Bibles, or you have your Bible on your phone or on your tablet, go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 Peter 3.7, because I'm going to read for the New American Standard, which I think is probably the most accurate for us for this application, but you may have something else, and that's, kind of, that's always kind of interesting to see uh, what that is, and we'll do a little bit of comparison. So, guys, for those of you who are married, let me, let me ask you a question. Why did your wife marry you? Why did your wife marry you? Was it because, because you were a great leader? No. Was it because you, were, uh, you had those, those, uh, those Tom Cruise good looks? No, I'm, t- I'm telling you that's not. I mean, maybe you were maybe you were better looking when you were younger, but no, that's probably that's probably not it. Was it because you were a godly man? Well, that's important, but no, probably not. I assure you that most of us in this room, your wife married you because you romanced her. You opened the door, you talked for hours, you looked longingly in her eyes, you served her needs sacrificially and spontaneously, you drowned her with affection. It was for a lot of us who are a little bit older and remember actual phones in a home, you talked you talked to your the one that you you talked to that girlfriend for hours on the phone. And then you'd get to late at night. Okay, well, okay, it's time for us to hang up. Okay, you hang up. No, 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 you hang up. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. We talked for hours on end. And at some point, your wife kind of looked at you and went, hmm, I think I could spend the next five or six decades with this guy. Because, see, what happened, though, is we get married, and what was instinctive when we were dating has to become a discipline while we're married. Because so what, 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 what happens is time kind of squeezes out all those things, that, that, uh, all, all, all that time that causes us to romance our spouse. And somehow, after we said I do, we forgot how to do all these things. Uh, sadly, most men lack the discipline to be the man that their wives desire them to be. I, I was uh, I have the opportunity regularly to to do weddings, and so um, there was this young couple I married not too very long ago. Uh, cute couple. We did all the pre-marriage counseling, all that stuff. I mean, I I try I did I did my best to warn them. You know, I did I, we did all those the pre-marriage counseling. And I will never forget one one morning I saw this new husband. I mean, he had been married. I mean, really maybe two to three weeks. It was so interesting. I looked at him. I saw him in the morning, and he just he kind of looked bewildered. You know, he just and I said, well, how you doing? And he went, uh, fine, I think. Uh, fine, I think. And then he said something to me that I will never forget. He said, he, he, said, he said this to me. He said, I had no idea there was so much to do in marriage. I want to say, I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. But he said, I had no idea that after I said I do, there was going to be so much to do in marriage. Love is not an emotion. 
It's a commitment. We make the commitment to do. In other words, marriage is not something you do. It's something you are. Marriage is not something you do. It's something you are. So I want to, uh, I, I, I want to, give, I want to give you just one little illustration here. So I know that some of you will find this hard to believe that there was a time when I was a runner. Now, that was a long time ago, but there was a time I was a runner. If you've ever been a runner, here's one of the things you, you learn is that, is that every once in a while when you're running, you will get a little rock in your shoe. You're outside, you run, you get a little rock in your shoe. Maybe, maybe, maybe just a little pebble. And you think, you know, at first you think, ah, that's not that big a deal. I'm just going to muscle through this. No, 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 no. If you're, if you're not very careful, listen, if, you, if, you, if, you're not, if you're not very attentive to this, you got to stop right then and get that rock out of your shoe. Because you think, okay, well, it's just a little rock. I can get through this. No, no, no. What will happen if you don't, ta- take, if you don't pay attention to that rock in your shoe, it will derail your run and it will injure you to the point where you might not be running for a while. Listen, tonight as we, as we dig through some of this, you might find yourself with a little rock in your shoe. You think, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. Listen, you, listen, boys, you better, you better pay attention and you better deal with that rock in your shoe or else it might derail some things in your life you wished it had not derailed and shortened the run that you have. So we're going to look tonight at three, at, at three things that characterize the husband that every wife wants. May, I, I, I almost, by the way, I almost titled this God's gift to women because, listen, if we do what we're supposed to do, we are the husband that our wives will desire and, our want, so, and, and, and want. So look at 1 Peter 3, chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. I'm going to read this to you again in, in ASB. You look at it in your version. It says, and, and I think it's going to pop up here too. You husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way. As with someone weaker, or some of, your ver- some of your versions may say a weaker vessel, since she's a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, the verses prior to this, so this is verse 7, the verses prior to this is really speaking to women and how they relate to their husbands. And then it turns the corner and talks to us husbands and how we relate to our wives. And, we, and, the, and the, so, the, so we get to this verse that's, speci- that's directed specifically at husbands. So for all of us, this ought to be one we highlight in our Bibles because this is absolutely, if we are husbands, this verse absolutely speaks to all of us. And at first glance, by the way, at first glance, this verse can be very misinterpreted. And, and it, it, it can be at times controversial. The, I mean, the, the, a lot of women, I'm not saying all women, but a lot of women absolutely hate this verse. They think it's demeaning. Let me tell you something, not so. You're going to see in a minute that this, this verse does not demean women. This verse elevates women. You, we're, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that just kind of get, they get all, they get all wonky, wonky about this verse. They kind of go, oh, weaker vessel. What, what does all that mean? We're going to see about that in just a minute. So three things. Number one, the husband that every wife wants is the husband who understands. That's the blank you fill in. The husband who understands his wife. Now listen, if I were to ask you guys, all you guys who've been married, married for a little while, or maybe married for a long time, if I were to ask you, do you understand your wife? Most of us would say, uh, no, no not, a, not a chance. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand my wife. 
my wife and I, in first uh, of January, actually on December 31st, we started, uh, we, we got ourselves on a budget and we put ourselves on a diet. So two things, a budget and a diet, neither of which I really like, to be honest with you, and you know that. But I, we, we heard of this, uh, we heard of this couple that uh, decided they, they were going to go on a diet, and they were agreed on it, and they you know, both said, okay, we're going we're to do this, and the husband and wife talked about it, and the wife said, well, you know, just so we make this, let, let's, okay, let's build in a cheat day. Y'all know what a cheat day is, don't you? A cheat day. And so, okay, this, we're going to have we're gonna have a cheat day. And so they get to that Friday, and she comes home, and she has Popeye's chicken, she has Taco Bell, she has Pizza Hut, and she has Blue Bell ice cream. That's what she's brought home. And he brings home a hot blonde secretary. And the next morning in the hospital, he says, you know, I don't think I understand my wife so very well. That really epitomizes how most of us feel. Sometimes we go, you know, I really, I really thought I was on the right track here. But I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Why is that? Well, it's simple. Because God created us differently. Thankfully. God created us differently. We think differently. We react differently. We are stimulated differently. Our priorities are different. Thank God we look different than they do. A perfect example of that is the, is the movies that we watch. Listen, ladies watch. They, they like the Hallmark Channel. They like movies that have English accents and, guy, and, their, and the girl's boyfriend's name is Thistle. Uh, guys, no, 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 no. We like war and blood and guts and body count and aliens and, and shoot them up. I mean, we want, we, want, we want the blood and the gore. Why is that? Because God wired us differently. He made us different. And see, here's the important thing is we're different, but we're equal. We're different. Our wives are different, but we're equal. Now, listen, if we don't get this, listen closely, if we don't get this, that our wives are different from us and embrace and celebrate those differences, listen, that will lead all of us to contempt. If we go down the road always just frustrated about, oh, I don't understand my wife, and I, she's just different from me, I don't understand my wife. Listen, what, what that leads to in our hearts is contempt, and eventually we just go, well, she's just irrational, or she's just hormonal, or she's just crazy, or she's just a woman. Listen, if we don't embrace and understand that God created us differently for a purpose, then it affects our heart, and we become contemptuous towards, uh, towards our wife. So how can we better understand? I'm going to give you a couple of things here. Number one, know your wife's personal marriage manual. That's the next blank to fill in, personal marriage manual. Did you know that you as a couple really, I love this example, you as a couple are really a marriage HVAC? You're a marriage HVAC. The husband is the thermostat and the wife is the thermometer. She lets him know the temperature and he regulates the emotional and spiritual temperatures in the home. We're the thermostat. We control, men, we control the spiritual climate and the emotional climate in our homes. We think our wives do. No, listen, she's just a thermometer telling us how hot or cold it is. We control how it goes up 
or down. And so that's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to know how our wives function and how our wives click. We got to know, we got to know what their love language, what their love languages are. We got to know what what fills their tank, what's good and what's bad. And by the way, if you find out something that's that she just absolutely hates, stop doing it. Just stop doing it. You will you'll be surprised how much peace you will have in your home if you stop doing those things that you know hack off your wife. Just stop doing it. We control that, and we got to know that. Now, I'm going to recommend a, a couple of books uh, to you over uh, this next uh, few minutes. The first book ought to be in every man's library. First book is this book by Dr. Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. By the way, this, this, this not only applies to our wives, this also applies to our children. I've listed to you, if you flip over the card, you'll, I've, I've listed to you just briefly what he says those five love, love languages are. Words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, receiving gifts, and physical touch. Now, my wife is very fluent in all love languages, but I know that for my wife, one of her primary love languages, well, well those things that that fill her tank is acts of service. They're acts of service. If I, if I do something without being asked, that, I mean, she likes that. She likes that. In fact, I'll be honest with you, it's a turn-on for her. I'll never forget. I'll never forget when, I, when, we, were, when we were a younger couple, had young children, and just all that. I mean, guys, you, you remember those days. I mean, you come in, and it is just chaos at the house. I mean, you're trying to get the kids fed and get homework done and ba- baths done and we're doing this and mom's tried to clean the house and every time she cleans something, someone throws up and I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just chaos. And one night, and, and I always, I've always been one that, that has helped out around the house. I, did, I, just, I, I, kinda, I just did that. That wasn't, a, that wasn't a big deal for me. But I, I will never forget one night I came in and, and my wife was just frazzled. And so I, you know, I picked up a few things and I got out the vacuum cleaner. I mean, it wasn't any big honestly, it wasn't any big deal. I got out the vacuum cleaner and I'm vacuuming and I'm doing doing my thing. And all of a sudden I look up and she's standing in the room and she's just kind of looking at me with just this this love gaze in her eyes. And I, I stopped, I said, What? She said, Oh honey, you've never been more sexy than when you're vacuuming. And so I took off all of my clothes, and I said, all right, I'll do this. And, she said, and then she looked at me, and she said, now you've ruined it. Now you've just, now you've just ruined it. Uh, in our house, we call that chore play. You've heard of foreplay? We call that chore play. Listen, if I want some romance, I'm going to fill her love tank with things that she really likes. And all of a sudden, you know, and I don't do that just to get sex. But listen, I, I, I know, I know what fills her tank. I know, by the way, I also know what pushes her buttons. And if I, if I want some romance, I don't push those buttons. Because if we're smart, guys, we'll figure this out. She's different from you. Figure out what those differences are and then, uh, and then play those to your strengths. So uh, know your wife's love language. The second thing is you have to understand her differences. You have to understand her differences in order to meet her God-given needs. She's got physical differences. Uh, listen, all of, us will, all of us will recognize that, listen, for most of us, we are stronger than our wives. 
you're married for most of us. Now, I know some of you, you may have, you know, you may have a wife that, you know, is, uh, may, may be stronger. I get, I get that. Uh, that may be an anomaly there. But for most of us, we're physically strong. We look differently. We smell differently. We eat differently. Our sex drives are differently. By the way, Dr. Uh, Gary Smalley said, men are micro- when it comes to sex, men are microwaves and women are crockpots. I'm just going to let you think about that one for just a second. Okay, women, it just takes them, a, takes them a little while, but, you know, they finally get there. For guys, yeah, it takes us about three seconds, and we're ready. Uh, women are physically weaker than men. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Secondly, uh, secondly there's, there, there's an emotional difference there. Wives, our wives need to be told daily that we love them and that they are the only object of our affection. Daily. Now, listen, you, 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 by the way, we, we can go a long time with just one of those, you know. We go to, we're, we're, almost, we're almost like a good hunting dog. Just pat us on the head, rub our belly a little bit, we're fine, we're good, all right? Throw us a little food, we're good. No, our wives need to be told daily and assured daily of our love for them. You heard the joke, uh, didn't you, that was once said where the guy says, the guy says the, the wife was complaining because he didn't tell her that he loved her, and so he says, uh, well, woman, you know, I told you I loved you when I married you, and that changes, I'll let you know. You know, we laugh at that. Women don't find that funny. Uh, go, go home and tell your wife that joke tonight. Oh, yeah, you might come up with a bloody stub because they don't think that's funny. Because they, our wives need to be told every day. Is it because, is it because they're unsure? Or, no, 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 no. It's just the way God has designed them. They are emotionally different from us, and they need our affirmation. They need us to tell them that we love them and assure them that, uh, that they are the object of our affection. Thirdly, the, our wives are different from us spiritually. Listen, listen, this is, is absolutely, uh, this absolute, you, you, when you understand this part, you'll understand your wife's relationship to the church and your wife's relationship to God. Women as a whole embrace or buy into spirituality quicker and more readily than men. They are, they're more readily uh, experience faith and trust. I, I, I read this quote. It says, when it comes to uh, spirituality, when women come to Christ, they are warmed. Warmed. When men come to Christ, they are broken. There's a lot of truth to that. I, I, our wives will handle spirituality differently than us. We can be standing in the worship center, and you know what? Our wives are just crying. You're going, what in the world? I don't, I, you know, I, I don't understand. It's because they embrace spirituality in a different way. They embrace faith and trust and, and, and spiritual things uh, in a different way than we do. Again, I'm going to recommend a second book to you that ought to be in every man's library, and it's the book by Willard F. Hartley, Jr. called His Needs, Her Needs. Great Great book. In fact, if you again, if you'll flip over your page there, uh, you'll see I, I listed those. I'm not going to go through those. His needs, her needs. But when you start understanding your wife's primary needs, by the way, these are not necessarily in order. I think they're probably pretty close. Not necessarily in order. And then you compare those to your greatest needs. It's amazing that God placed us together because our needs, if we are if, if we are fulfilling our wife's needs, then our wife will fulfill our needs. For example, just in just in the area of romance and 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 sex. Okay? So a wife's greatest need is affection. A husband's greatest need is sex, sexual fulfillment. And a wife will trade sex for affection. And a husband will trade affection 
for sex. Now listen, that was God's plan. It was God's design. But listen, when you back off of that and when you get that out of whack, all of a sudden, those greatest needs that your wife has are going to go unmet. His needs, her needs. We are, we are, we are, we are encouraged and, and, uh, uh, and commanded to know our wife's needs. Secondly, a hu- the husband every wife wants is the husband who honors his wife. That's the next blank is honors. Again, look at our scripture. It says, husbands, live with, your li- live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker or a weaker vessel. Since she is a woman, show her honor. I like the NIV. The, the NIV says, guys, be considerate. Be considerate. The, the uh, Holman Christian Standard, Standard Bible says this, live with your wives with an understanding of their weaker nature Showing them honor. Now, let me talk about this weaker vessel business. Now, sometimes, sometimes women will really, I mean, that, they don't like that part of this verse. Let me, under, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me explain what this means. First off, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It does not mean they are of lower significance. It does not mean they are sub-man. It does not mean they are inferior to us. But what it does mean is they're delicate, and they're precious, and they're breakable. It, 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 it's, like, it's like fine china. Fine china. Listen, they're fine china. They're not Tupperware. We're Tupperware. We're utilitarian. You, you, you don't go to gallery furniture and say, you know what, I think we're gonna, today I think we're going to look for a Tupperware cabinet. No, no, no. You look for a china cabinet. Why? Because we recognize the preciousness of those things, and we, we treat China differently than we treat Tupperware. And our wives are precious, and they're, and they're fragile, and we are to cherish them, and we are, to, we, are, we are to honor and respect this unique preciousness. They're fragile, and we handle them with care. That doesn't mean they're weak as far as, uh, as far as fortitude. No. Listen, my wife, my wife has a lot of fortitude. My wife's a very strong woman. And that doesn't mean they're weak and they kind of roll over and kind of play, you know, okay, well, whatever you say. No, 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 no. Listen, my, my wife's a very strong one. But listen, she's fragile and I must handle her with care. So practically, what does that mean? Number one, it means to prioritize her. It means to prioritize her, to esteem her more valuable than all other people. To think of her more highly than myself. To to respect her as an equal in Christ. To hold her in the highest opinion. To place her will before and above my will. In short, the man who honors his wife whom God has given him is the man whose opinion of his wife is so high that he chooses to live his life in a manner which reflects his high estimation of her. Listen. We honor our wives by prioritizing her. Listen, but, but before we were married, we invested, we, uh, so, so, let, me, so let me tell you back it up this way. Let me spell it simply for us. Four letters. To prioritize our wife is spelled T-I-M-E. Time. Our wives just simply need our time. Now, listen, Pastor Eric last week talked a little bit about this with our children, about, okay, we got to spend time with them. Oh, well, we go, I don't spend quantity time, but I spend quality time. No, there, there is no quality, quantity time here. Time is just time. And our wives 
need our need those times during the day where they have our absolute undivided attention. And the problem is we're multitaskers, right? We're multitaskers. We can be watching ESPN. We can be checking something, uh, checking email, and we can be talking to our wives at the same time. Yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, that's offensive to our wives. They need to stop. Listen, DVR saved our marriage. You know why? Because I can press play, I can press pause, and I can stop, and I can look at my wife, and I can hear what she's saying, and then when she's done, I can press pause and move right on with that with, with whatever I'm watching. Listen, it's spelled time. We have to devote time to our. But by the way, have I, have I hit a little rock in the shoe anywhere here along the way? You don't, don't answer that out loud. You just kind of think this may be a, this may be a rock in the shoe. You heard you 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 also um, heard the man whose wife was complaining to him because he wouldn't spend enough time with her, and he says, "Look, woman, you know I spend eight uninterrupted hours with you a day. It's not my fault you choose to sleep through it. No, no, no. That's not the kind of time we're talking about. We're kind of we're talking about the t- kind of time." Where we listen to them and we look at them and we get and listen, we we did this. We spent a lot of time with our wife, with our before they were before we were married with with that woman. We spent a lot of time with her and we loved that. We couldn't wait to get off work and run over there and spend time with her. I don't know how it happens that all of a sudden we get married. And then we get a house, and then we get a job, and maybe a job first, and then a house, and then we get children, and all of a sudden we wake up one day, and all that time that we were spending investing in our spouse, all of a sudden that's somehow gone away. All that time has just slipped away. The second thing is to show her courtesy. To show her courtesy. Now, listen, I know I'm going to sound very old-fashioned when I say these next few things, but one of, the ways, one of the ways we honor our wives is to show her courtesy. How do we do that? Hold the door for her. Stand when she enters the room. Smile at her. Uh, compliment her publicly and privately. I, when, when Sonia and I were in our 20s, we had some friends that were in their 80s, a couple that were in their 80s. And this couple was so in love with each other. I mean, it was almost gross. They were so in love with each other. And every time they would go somewhere, like we'd go to church or whatever, and, and we'd get home, he would, he would say to her, honey, you were the prettiest girl there tonight. Or they would, you know, they, he, she would cook something, and he'd go, oh, honey, listen, nobody cooks like you do. You know, by the time they got in their 80s, she didn't really cook that well. I ate some of her meals. But he would say every time, oh, honey, Honey, you cook so well. Or, you know, that, 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 that apple pie was great at the restaurant, but nobody beats your apple pie. He, he complimented her privately and complimented her publicly. Now, listen, I know a lot of guys, myself included, sometimes get in the trap of wanting to, you know, they just kind of jab at their wife. You know, it's, kind of, it's funny. You know, ah, 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 you know my, my wife and oh, the old ball and chain. And, ah, ah, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny to do that. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you who it's not funny to. It's not funny to your wife. She might laugh and kind of go, ha, ah, ah. Inside she's going, okay, you're really hacking me off. It's not funny to your wife's. It's just, it's just not funny, and it's not appropriate. It's not appropriate, and I'm not coming, I'm not coming down. I, listen, I've done it. I, listen, Sonia and I tease back and forth, but at, at the end of the day, that's not funny. 
finally, let me get to this last one. Finally, the, the husband that every wife wants is the, is the husband who treats his wife like a teammate. A teammate. Look at that scripture again. I love this. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. A fellow, that phrase, fellow heir. Fellow heir. That's the same concept. We get teammate. Now, all of, we all understand what it means to be on a team, right? At some point in our lives, probably every one of us in the room have been on a team. And what happens when we get on a team? Something kicks in when we get on a team. The warrior kicks in when we get on a team. I mean, we'll do things for that team that we wouldn't do any other time. We'll go harder for that team than we'll ever do. Why? Because there's something about the teammate concept that that motivates us. Our wives are our teammates. And listen, this is not a new concept. You go all the way back to Genesis 2. Go all the way back to the very beginning of the woman. Remember the story. Let me just quickly, let me, let me quickly summarize this for you. Remember what happened? Is, <coughs> excuse me. Every, uh, everything that God had created, he said, oh, it's good. That's good. You know, he created the sun and the sky. Oh, that's good. He created the moon. Oh, that's good. He got, God created the, separated the seas from the, and every, every day, God would create something, and he would get to the end of the day, and he would say, oh, that's good. But then on the sixth day, God looked at Adam, and he, for the very first time, he said something wasn't good. God looked at Adam and, God looked at Adam and, and said, you know what? It is not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make for him, get this, a helpmate. Same concept as we have here, a fellow heir, a, a, a joint heir in the grace of life. And so if you remember, what, God ha- what happened is God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep, and he took a portion of Adam's side, and he created Eve. And when Eve, when, when Eve was created and God breathed life into her, He woke Adam up, and Adam saw her for the very first time, and he went, oh, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Now, there's there's something that's very important here. Notice that God took a portion of Adam's side. He didn't take a portion of Adam's foot. God never intended for the wife to be a footstool or a doormat. He didn't take a portion of Adam's head. God never intended for the wife to dominate over the man. God took a portion, and I think it's very symbolic and very significant that God took a portion of Adam's side because it represents, it represents this, this teammate, this, this partnership, it, 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 that, that intimacy, that romance, that friendship, that, that, uh, that connectedness. Also, that the, husband, that the husband protects his wife and that the wife loves her husband. From the very beginning, God's design was for our wives to be our partners and our teammates. By the way, this, is, this verse, when it was written, was hugely controversial. This verse was hugely controversial. You know why? It wasn't because he said the wife's a weaker vessel. No, 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 no. It was because, it was because when Peter wrote this, he said they are equal partners. Because during this time when this was written, and by the way, still in some parts of the world, when this was written, a wife was property, not a partner. A wife was a little bit above your livestock. 
It might be a little bit above your slave if you had one. A wife was property, and if your wife made you mad, you could just go beat the crap out of her. That's what you wanted to do. In fact, if she made you so mad, you could kill her because she was property. She wasn't a partner. And this verse right here, where it elevates the role of the wife as partner with the husband, validates the very person of who our wives are. Different? Yes. But equal. I love that. I love that. By the way, you want to know how, God, how serious God is about this? Look at the last part of that verse. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers will not go unhindered. God, God's very serious about this. He says, he says, listen, you want me to hear your prayers? Honor your wives. You want me to listen to you? Honor your wife. God, you want God to honor your, the, the things you ask of him? You show honor to your wife. Let me, let me give you an example of this. I have a daughter, Elizabeth, one daughter. She's 20, almost 21 years old, and she's dating a boy that has been for about a year. I, honestly, I don't like him. But, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, that's, uh, but the reality is no dad of a daughter really likes the boys that she's going to marry, that she's going to date. You just, you just don't. But he's a nice boy. I mean, I'm, he goes to school with her. He's, he's a good Christian kid. He's a, he's a pastor's son. I don't hold that against him much. But he, he's, he's, a good, he's, a, he's a good kid. And, uh, and well, I mean, we, we like him, but not a whole lot, but we like him. We're working on that. Can you imagine? They, they, were, they were at our house um, just before the holidays. Uh, he'd come down, uh, stayed a little while with us. Can you imagine what would happen if I was off somewhere else in the house and I came into a room and they were having a conversation and he was berating her, calling her stupid? Oh, you're an idiot. Can you imagine what my response to this boy would be? My response would be, that's my daughter. Listen, gentlemen, listen closely. Your wife is God's daughter. Furthermore, my relationship with my wife affects every other relationship in my life. It affects the way I relate to people at work. It affects the way I relate to my children. And ultimately, according to God's word, my relationship with my wife affects my relationship with God because I'm married to his daughter. First Peter 3, 7 says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered.
Okay, guys, if I get you to look right up here for just a second, we're going to wrap this up, and then you're welcome to stay around and finish up your conversation if that's what you want to do, but I want, I want to give us, uh, give us a definite uh, uh, close time here. Listen, I, I, I want you to know as, as a husband, I have not arrived. I, I, I don't speak to you today as an expert. I speak to you today as a, as a, as a fellow, uh, fellow warrior, a fellow journeyer on this, on this road to understanding I genuinely want to be the kind of husband that my wife needs. I genuinely want to be that. I want to meet her needs. And I want to honor her as God's daughter. And so I want you to know, but one of the things, one of the things that, that you need to know is that I, I glean from some of you guys. I watch you. I'm going to embarrass them a little bit. Spike Harlan is one of them. Spike and Barbara Harlan have one of the greatest marriages I've ever known. And so I watched them. I, I learn I learn from them. I, I, I learn from what, what they're doing. And, and that, that goes, by the way, with several of you, with Barry and Eva. They're, they're a great godly couple that, that, that we watch and we model. That's what we have to do. We look around and find people who are doing this successfully and ask questions and model after what, they, what they're doing. And so I want to challenge you. Listen, wherever you are, listen, we, 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 can all, we can all move up from here. And so thank you so much for being here. I hope you'll continue to come. We've got, a, a great, we've got four more weeks left in this cycle, and so I hope you'll not miss any of those. So let me pray, and then again, you're welcome to finish up your conversation, but you're also welcome to head out if that's what you want to do. Father, thank you so much. For those of us who are married, Father, thank you. Thank you for our wives. Thank you for who the partners the teammates that you have placed in our lives. And we, pro- we pray, Father, you'll help us to understand them in a way that you understand them. And then you'll help us to honor them as our wives, as your daughters. And, Father, help us. We need your help. Help us is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You're dismissed to go. God bless you.